This podcast is dedicated to the memory of David Faraday, Betty Lou Jensen, Darlene Farron, Cecilia Shepard, and Paul Stein, and to Michael Mejo and Brian Hartnell. This is Zodiac Speaking, a classic gunpoint camping podcast. I'm your host, Chris Garcia. This, we know for certain. Darlene Farron was murdered by gunshot and pronounced dead on arrival at the hospital at 12.38 a.m., July 4th, 1969. Beyond that, we have many questions. There are many, myself included, who believe that she might have been the focus for the cowardly murderer, that both the first and the second murders had to do with her. There are others who say this is a dead end, a series of red herrings, poor police work. I don't know. But as it lives right now, there are too many points that seem to direct the investigation to Darlene Farron. A police detective in 1977, Lieutenant Houston, thought that there might have been a stalker, and a name came up. The name was Bill Grant, and Houston thought that he was a strong candidate for Zodiac. And in his investigation in 1977, he interviewed a number of people, notably Karen Ellendy, who was Darlene's babysitter in 1969. She said that Darlene had a stalker, this does make some sense. There's a story that there was a man who would come to the restaurant where Darlene was a waitress and harass her. There are a number of questions that arise from this. One of the things that has always hit me is the interview with Ellen D. That as Karen was the babysitter for Farron, that one night when she was watching the kid, Karen was looking out the front window and saw that there was a man sitting in a white sedan watching the apartment, that he had been there for several hours. And while she didn't get a good look at him, she did briefly see a middle-aged man, though she couldn't make out details. And when she mentioned this the following day to Darlene, Darlene said, I guess he's checking up on me again. I heard he was back from out of state. And apparently, added to that, he doesn't want me to know what I saw him do. I saw him murder someone. Karen thought that Darlene was actually frightened of the man and that he had been checking up on her at the restaurant. Some folks say that they recognize the man from the restaurant in particular. But there's the famous painting party back in May of 1969, where Darlene had just moved into her new apartment. Reports vary. Some say it was three younger men, but a couple of others point to a well-dressed older man who showed up and apparently scared Darlene. Some agree, some don't agree on who it was. The stalker angle may be a myth. Maybe a misremembering. It could be any number of things. 
but there are lots of questions. After the actual murder, and in fact, two minutes after Darlene had been declared dead, a phone call was received. Following Michael Maggio's interview, Ed Rust wrote the following. About five minutes before the shooting occurred, Michael states a vehicle pulled into the lot, coming from the direction of Springs Road and Vallejo. The driver turned the lights off on the car and pulled around to the left or east side of their car, approximately six or eight feet away, and sat there for a minute. Michael states he asked Dee if she knew who it was, and she stated, oh, never mind. Michael stated at this time he is always kidding Dee about knowing so many people and does not know whether she meant this as she knew the fellow or not. Michael states as best as he can recall, he could not see the car too clearly. However, the shape of the car looked similar to the car that Dee owns, a Corvair. He could not see the color or anything as it was too dark out there. Ed Rust. Was the oh never mind simply her trying to brush off his question, not wanting to answer something difficult? Perhaps that he was another man she was seeing? Or perhaps that he was the one who had been stalking her? Could it be that she was simply being coy? Oh, never mind. Let's just go about with what we're doing here. We don't know. Darlene took that secret with her. But an interesting thing happened two minutes after Darlene was declared dead at 12.38 a.m. The Vallejo Police Department received a phone call, which was answered by dispatcher Nancy Slover. The caller sounded monotone, perhaps rehearsed, and he simply said, I want to report a murder. If you will go one mile east on Columbus Parkway, you will find kids in a brown car. They were shot with a 9mm Luger. I also killed those kids last year. Goodbye. This is the first direct reference to the two murders being connected. There are some interesting notes in the call. He doesn't say there were two dead. He says, I want to report a murder. Though he does seem to indicate you will find kids in a brown car. He doesn't say two dead kids. He never says murders. Some have indicated that this meant that he knew Majo had survived. And perhaps that Majo wasn't the focus of his rage. In the Faraday-Jensen murder, it was one shot to kill the boy, multiple shots to kill the girl. Some have said that this expressed his rage at the woman. Others say it was simply because he could tell he got Faraday in one shot, and that when Jensen took off, it just took multiple shots to get her down. This is a possibility. But after Majo started making sounds, after he left, after the first round of shots that he came back and put another series of shots, both to Maggio and to Farron. Maybe he realized that he may not have killed both of them. And this does bring up the possibility that he had access to a police scanner, that he was able to hear what the police were saying. This has led some to believe that he was a cop. It's hard to say. What's, what's led some researchers, and admittedly a minority of them, down various rabbit holes, was the re-examination of clues by Houston in 1977. And in particular, the work with some witnesses with psychics and hypnotic suggestions. Vallejo police believes that there was no evidence that the victims knew one another, nor that the victims had known the killer. 
this could be also. An interesting aspect, though, that has been debated as long as I've been looking into the case is what the connection between the first and second murders were. If this were Darlene Stalker, perhaps the first murder was an attempt to get to her, perhaps believing or knowing that she would park in car with men who weren't her husband, as she was married at the time, and that he was attempting to murder her with the first kill. And when it didn't happen, when it was some other person, he took to another, another route. He followed her more. He gained better intel so that he knew the next time he went, it would be successful. The stating, of course, that he had been out of state might also help with that assertion. That is, if Karen Ellenby is to be believed. The first Zodiac letter came just after, and I've spoken of it before, as it relates to the Lake Herman Road murders. But there are a great many questions that need to be, to be answered here. The phone call happens. Then there are a series of three phone calls, just heavy breathing, received by members of the family, including her parent, and they start at 1.30 a.m. Again, this points to the potential of it being the Zodiac Killer. It also points to the fact that there was no coverage of this yet, so it was likely the only people who knew that the murders had happened were the murderer, Michael Maggio, the police, and perhaps some reporters. But the police and the reporters mean that there would have been something on police radio. So perhaps someone with a scanner could have picked up that information. We don't know for sure. Supposedly, it could have been someone calling to try to score marijuana, but that doesn't explain the heavy breathing. Heavy breathing crank calls were not new. When the connection between the two become, between the first and the second murders become more clear is once the letters arrive, which isn't until July 1930, July 31st, 1969, with the opening line being, this is the murder of the two teenagers last Christmas at Lake Herman and the girl on the 4th of July near the golf course in Vallejo. And then he lists the facts. The interesting note here is that first he mentions the teenagers last Christmas and the girl on the 4th of July. None of this info that he gives, the name of the ammunition, for example, was public. The cops certainly would have known. It is possible that it was a crank, but, but it's hard to say. The biggest question Darlene Farron's murder has always brought to me is the survival of Michael Maggio. He came back and fired again, but he didn't make a headshot. He sort of did with the first round, but the second, apparently not. He was not being thorough. And when he returned, Darlene was slumped over the wheel, but he shot her twice more anyhow. If Darlene Farron was being stalked, he becomes a good suspect, but we'll never know for sure. One thing we will be able to find soon, if the DNA testing is at all, is if there are any connections to anyone who has been swabbed in this case, or who has family who has provided their DNA. Familial DNA will likely crack this case if there is ever going to be a crack, because familial DNA is certainly better than a confession on one's deathbed. Thank you for listening to Zodiac Speaking. I'm Chris Garcia. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. If you want to drop an email, you can send it to Johnny Eponymous, J-O-H-N-N-Y-E-P-O-N-Y-M-O-U-S at gmail.com. 
The next episode is likely going to be a questions and answer episode. If you have any questions, send it to the email. Love to hear from y'all. Also, some of you may have heard, like I mentioned earlier, that they recently sent off what they believe might be Zodiac DNA for analysis. And the recent discovery of the Golden State Killer's identity through familial DNA, as well as the identification of Lyle Spivak, a very famous uh, unknown person's case, has led to people to think that DNA will crack all the murder cases. We don't know if it's his case or if the DNA was degraded too far. We'll find out. And if we do, I will definitely have a special episode all about it. I want to thank everyone for listening. The next episode will focus on both Michael Maggio and I'm going to do in probably early July, maybe late June, an episode reviewing all the letters that are claimed to be of Zodiac, including reading each of them. So stay tuned. Stay tuned.